You are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. It is good to be back and with you again at Covenant today. Um, I am grateful to Charlie for the invitation. And as we come into a time of reflection on God's words to us this day in the words of Psalm 139, let us pray together. O God, our loving creator, we know that you go with us in all times and in all places and that your presence is here and with us now. And so it is that we ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts may be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I'm going to admit that when Charlie first asked for a memory verse or a focus verse at the beginning of the summer, my mind immediately jumped back to some of the summer camps and the church nights that I was invited to as a child. I was a Catholic kid growing up in Colorado Springs, Colorado in the 80s. This is right as the religious right was on the rise and focus on the family was coming into fruition, and my very well-meaning elementary-aged friends were very worried about the fate of my soul. (laughs) I was frequently invited to attend uh, church camps, Wednesday evening Bible nights at various churches, And I would go, and I would be the one who didn't have all the memory verses, who wasn't on the chart in the wall with all the gold stars next to my name. I was always the outsider in that. Didn't have my verses memorized, didn't know the right answer to every question. And where my friends' churches offered memory verses and quick answers for all kinds of questions, my Roman Catholic parish was more likely to provide a spiritual practice to try to see if I could uncover what God was saying to me, or the outline to a doctrine that was well beyond my elementary-aged understanding. And so today, when I look back on this contrast that shaped so much of my early faith, I see not only the beginning of my passion and deep interest in ecumenical and interfaith relationships, but also the need for both the memory verses and an understanding of the nuances and the deeper doctrines that undergird and uphold those verses (coughs) in our memory. And so I know I've found myself in conversation with others who can give a scripture verse, but if I ask what they mean and why they chose that particular verse or some context around that passage, they get flustered and start to ramble, or sometimes just give me another quote. And then I've also been in conversation with those who, 
if you ask a straightforward question, will spin off into a long-winded monologue or a doctrine they've studied or a favorite theologian whose book they just read, but can't give that straightforward and quick answer. And I'll be honest, I usually fall in this later group. I'm a pastor. But I think it does us no good if we can throw out a fitting quote of scripture for the situation in which we find ourselves, but cannot say why that quote really matters. It also does not help if we can outline the major theological points of a doctrine when we are caught in a stressful moment and we need quick comfort and reassurance, something to hold on to, to grasp. This is not the time to bring out Augustine. That's where the memory verses, those things that we can hold on to, the things that get ingrained into our hearts and our minds, that can flow with the rhythm of our breath when we are struggling. That's what we need. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It's a declaration of a psalmist, a psalmist who knew their scripture and the wider context of faith very well. It's a psalmist who knows what it's like to flee to the furthest limits of the sea and yet know that God's hand will hold you fast or to hide in the darkness and know that God can find you no matter where your hiding place is. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And if you want the bonus points on this, you can go for all of verse 14, which continues with, Wonderful are your works, that I know very well. It's a beautiful piece of logic. We know that God's works are wonderful. God himself declared that creation is very good. And we know that we are created by God. Therefore, it follows, if we are created by God and we are part of creation and God declared that creation is very good, we are very good, right? Obviously. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This statement comes to us straight out of Genesis 1 and the account of creation. It's the psalmist's direct reference back to that passage which was already ancient poetry when the psalmist sat down to write their poetry today, for us to read today. It's a promise that in the church, here we get our theological doctrine, we call it imagio dei, that we are all made in God's image. And because I always struggle to only use one piece of scripture, I'm reading for you Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of Genesis 1, 26 through 28, and verse 31 in the message version with my own pronoun adjustments. Let us hear these words of Genesis 1 and the great story 
of creation. God spoke. Let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature, so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings, they created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. They created them male and female. God blessed them. Prosper, reproduce, fill earth, take charge. Be responsible for fish in the sea and birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. God looked over everything they had made. It was so good, so very good. It was evening, it was morning, day six. When we say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, this is the statement that comes behind that. The doctrine behind, the theology behind our memory verse. For when we say, we praise you, God, I praise you, God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, we claim our place in God's wondrous creation. We claim our place as one who bears the image of God. We claim our place in the great community of all of those who bear this image of God, of all of this creation, this beautiful world that God has declared good. And it is important even as this psalm speaks entirely in first person and our personal relationship with God, that we remember that we are not alone in bearing this image. It speaks for all of us, for all of humankind, in our great multitude and our diversity, for all who are made male and female in all kinds of genders for all who are made on all kinds of races and forms. I thought Charlie's note of the way that Chelsea refers to this psalm and this notion of being fearfully and wonderfully made with parents who are dealing with kids that may not be what they were expecting in the way that they were knit together. No, it is everyone, however we may be, whatever shape we may take, Whatever the world may say is perhaps not the norm or not what is expected. No, it is everyone. In God's eyes, we are all in our great diversity, made in God's own image. And that is very good. In writing about the doctrine of imagio dei, this idea that we are made in God's image, Shirley Guthrie, a great theologian, says the humanity that we see fulfilled in Jesus is the same humanity God originally intended and still intends for all human beings. 
It is a humanity that uses whatever intellectual, spiritual, moral, or physical powers we possess in and for the sake of fellowship with God and with our fellow human beings. And I appreciate the way that Guthrie ties this image of God that we bear into the call to be in fellowship with our creator and with one another. If we are fearfully and wonderfully made and we recognize that all of our neighbors also bear that image of God, then we are called to walk together. And we are called also to this recognition that is framed so beautifully in the first part of Psalm 139, that God is always going to walk with us. That that fellowship that we have as part of God's creation is always with us, always surrounding us, always ready to find us. And I will admit that as a teenager reading this poem and seeking some independence and to get out of my parents' constant view, I was disturbed by the image of God who hems me in behind and before and knows every word before it is on my tongue. It, it seemed too intrusive. But as I found myself standing on the edge of some hellish places, watching friends struggling with addiction, seeing a high school that I knew very well featured on the national news after school shooting, trying to keep up with the expectations that I put on myself, and falling far short of what I thought I should be able to do. Knowing that God knew me, that God really knew me, that God was still willing to go through whatever form of shale I landed in, that God was not only willing to go with me through it, but to be there ahead of me and to be there supporting behind me. That became the great comfort, the understanding of true fellowship. And there are also times when I have felt that deep joy that makes me want to soar on the wings of the morning, to rejoice with the heavenly chorus, that joy that comes with having a deep love returned feeling the greatest kind of connection and fellowship with fellow humans. That joy that comes when we complete a long-sought goal or degree, knowing that God is there too, that that constant presence of God that walks with us through any darkness is also there in our greatest joys. God hems us in behind and before because God is, all, is always walking with us. Through every joy and every celebration, God dances at our side. And so it is that we continue to say, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
And as we say this, as we commit it to our memory, as we hold on to it in moments of great joy and in moments of struggle and in the everyday basic life that falls in between, we say it as a reminder that God's works are wonderful, that we are among those good and wondrous works, and that God, our creator, will not ever let us go. So let us hold on to this verse as we go forward into whatever this week might bring you, a new school year, a slightly emptier and more peaceful house, a time of new beginnings as we transition into fall, or whatever is coming in your life this week and in the weeks to come. Hold on to the knowledge that God goes with you this day, tomorrow, next week, when you finally remember what time worship is on September 11th. Whatever it may be, God is with us in the mundane and in the extreme because we are created and formed by one who calls us and names us as a beloved child made in God's own image and who seeks a relationship and the fellowship with us that is with us through all things, all times, all places, when we fall flat on our face and when we get back up again, when we sing and when we dance, and calls us to walk with that kind of love for one another. And so it is that I say to each and every one of you, just as I say it to myself, I praise God, for you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And may God be with you this day and forevermore. Amen.